0: Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to share with you a little bit about my story. Uh, I grew up uh, essentially without a father in my home. Uh, when I was five years old, my, my father passed away. And my father had been sick for about two, three years in and out of hospital uh, and was in uh, Sunnybrook at the time. And for those of you that are familiar with Sunnybrook, um, children are not allowed in, in the hospital back then. This is in the 70s. And so really didn't even go to visit. Uh, I was the oldest uh, of two. My brother uh, was three at the time, and I was five. And so both of us really didn't know our, our father, our earthly father. Now, I tell you that story because... Um, I was raised by my mother, who was a very godly woman. And, and in fact, my dad was a very godly man. And I heard story after story of my mother sharing about my father, how he lived, uh, what was important to him. And, and so that was, that was amazing to have that. And, and I tell the story, too, because as I grew, the Lord brought into my life men who played the role of being a father for me. Many, many, many men over, over the course of many years. Uh, and, and I share that because as we talked this morning, I think it's important for us to, to know, and those, of us, uh, those of us men here, that whether you're a father or not really doesn't matter to what I'm going to speak about today because you can play that role for someone. You can model and you can come alongside. And even if your children are grown and perhaps they don't live anywhere near you or your grandchildren, you have the opportunity to still play a father role for children who you go to church with or who live on the same street that you do. And so hopefully this morning as, as you're listening to this, you know, for, all, for all the guys in the crowd here this morning, this is, this is for all of us. For those of you who are young men, uh, I want to challenge you as well this morning that although you're not perhaps married and, and, and fathers at this point in time, but this is something perhaps to be thinking about and applying to your lives even now, if the Lord wills for you to be married and have a family, that this will give you a sense of that. And if he doesn't, then you can still... Be a model and an example to others around you, uh, particularly young people that the Lord brings into your path. So that's where, that's where we're going this morning as we talk a little bit about fathers. Hopefully there's a little bit of something in here for, for each of us. Um, I've entitled this sermon Father Quest. And, and just no, no big ch- deal with that title other than this really is a challenge. It's, a, it's an ongoing journey. Uh, It's something that for me seems kind of there that I'm always trying to attain, and so that's where this idea of quest came from. Uh, One little caveat here, this is going to be a sermon uh, that is a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do sermon. And I put that in there because as I've spent some time going through Scripture and thinking about what uh, the Lord wants me to share this morning, it's a bit of a humbling experience, as you can imagine to get up and talk about a role that's so important in our society, so important in our families and in our church, uh, and you know, not not measure up on all of those or in all of those ways all the time. And uh, so, I don't have it all sorted out. This is as much for me and for my ears and heart and mind as it is for yours. So, we're going to begin. Uh, I have basically an approach this morning where we're going to look at a whole bunch of scripture. I'm going to pull out a few things, and we'll make our way through uh, this morning. But my my key scripture this morning is Joshua 24, and many of you will be familiar with it. And it's Joshua talking uh, to the Israelites, and um, it's a pretty incredible piece of scripture. Um, and I'll read it to you. Joshua 24, 14-15. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors who worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors or the gods of the Amorites or whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is kind of a, a, an, an amazing piece of scripture. I love this section. I love the challenge. I love the, the just the element of that. And for those of us as guys, a lot of us rally to that. It's like, okay, this is this is something big. This is something important. And we like big and important. And it's really our overarching theme this morning. Now... As we carry on in the passage, it's interesting because Joshua says, hold on a second, right? let's not be too hasty here. And I don't have the passage up there, but I'll just pull out a couple of verses and you can look at them later. Later on in verses 16 to 24, the, the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And they go on and they say, we too, We'll serve the Lord because he is our God. And Joshua says to the people, hold on, you're not able to serve the Lord God, for he is holy, he is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you uh, after he has been good to you. So there's some some pretty serious stuff here. It's like if you're going to make this commitment, you need to take it seriously or don't make it. Which is a bit of a, oh, I thought we came to church and everybody's, yeah, you got to love God. Well, you know what? It's your choice whether you want to follow and love God. It's your choice. And if you're going to make that choice, we see in Scripture over and over again that we're to make that choice with seriousness because God's serious about the relationship. And we need to be committed and serious to that as well. And, And so he basically says to the people, I don't think you're getting this. I don't know if you understand how serious this is. And you need to take it serious because we're talking about God. And for those of you that are here last week, we or the last number of weeks that we've been going through the book of Job, just trying to have even an understanding of who God is in His holiness, in His sovereignty, is is overwhelming. But this is God we're talking about, and uh, the the people said, "No, we we will serve the Lord." And they go on and basically Joshua says, okay, you are your witnesses to yourself, Your witnesses to this commitment. We're in this. We're taking it seriously. Let's do this together. So that's where we're at this morning. And let me just pray as we we, uh, jump in here. Father, we thank you again for uh, this day that uh, just allows us to stop and think about, uh, to contemplate uh, fatherhood. We thank you. Uh, God, that you are our Heavenly Father, and you are a great Father and an example. And Father, help us as fathers and as men here to just grapple with some of this this morning that you have for us, and may we apply it to our lives and take this role and responsibility seriously. And so we commit that to you this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, our sermon in a sentence this morning is, uh, As fathers, or men, Uh, we must accept the calling and shoulder the responsibility to be biblical fathers. And if we wanted to expand that a little bit, we could say we will accept this calling and shoulder this responsibility three ways. By modeling faith in God, by loving our wives, and training our children, as all outlined in Scripture. Scripture. And so that's the three things we're going to look at today. You could call them three steps, three principles. And there's far more, but these are the three things that we're going to hone in on this morning. So the first one, the first thing that I think as as fathers, as men, that we have to get sorted out, figured out, committed to, is the fact that we're to model faith in God in our home. We We can't begin to teach it, we can't begin to preach it, if we're not doing it, if we're not living it and that's important and so that's that's what we need to do are you one of the key people that your children or others see as a role model for faith we teach leadership at Medeba I work at an organization called Medeba and we teach leadership and one of the things we talk about in leadership is that when you're a leader you're always on you're always on everybody's always watching always looking always seeing What are you doing? How are you reacting? Uh, What's the look on that person's face when that happens? All of these things, you're always being watched. And likewise in our home, we are always being watched. Are you modeling for those who are coming behind you? And are we modeling for those who are ahead of us? And so there are times when us, uh, older men, I guess I'm older now, I'm almost 50, we look to some of the younger ones and say, wow, that's, that's inspiring. That's inspiring. But hopefully we're also modeling and an inspiration for those that are behind us in our journey of life and faith. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 5, this is what it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And this is where we start on this modeling piece, is that for you as a, as a dad, as a man, you need to love the Lord your God with everything you are and everything you have. We love God with our, our heart, our emotions. We love God with our soul, our very being. We love God with our mind. The Lord and His greatness is, is something we're thinking about and ponder all the time. And one of the challenges with this is that, as, as I think about this for my own life, is if I were to ask my kids, what's the most important thing to me, would they say that it's my relationship with God? Or is it stuff? Or is it work? Right? Or is it something else, what, whatever it is, a hobby or a sport or whatever that might be? And although those things are great and wonderful, and we certainly can have them in our lives, hopefully, by the way we live, we're modeling that our faith in God is the most important thing in our lives. In 1 Thessalonians two eleven to 12 it says this, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom of glory. And so speaking to fathers or people that would understand the role of a father, and in particular, this part of the verse here that talks about the fact that this is a call to live lives worthy of God. Worthy. That's a call to holiness. That's a call to righteousness. And we're being called to that. And the, the children part we'll deal with a little bit later when we talk about training our children. But there's this, this idea all through Scripture that we're called to be holy. All right? Be ye holy just as I am holy. We're called to pursue a life of righteousness. And ideally, others will see that who live with us and who rub shoulders with us, wherever that is in our homes or in our workplace, etc. In Ephesians 6, 11-18... We have this, again, very familiar piece of scripture. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And so we have the implication here that on this quest to model faith and life living with God before our family and before our friends and our co-workers, we are starting to recognize that this is no easy task. And it's important for me to mention here that you know, one of, the, one of the things that's crucial here is that there's this idea that we have a relationship with God, and without that, really this is a very difficult quest, or an impossible quest, I might suggest. And so that's very important, and even in this passage of Scripture here, it talks about this helmet of salvation. If we do not, as men, if we do not have a relationship with God through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ by accepting what he did for us on the cross, that's, that's step one. That's step one. Because without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, this quest is in vain. We, we are going to struggle. We are going to stumble. We're not going to make it. And so that's really crucial. And, and, and so much of what I'm talking about and speaking about this morning is, is really for those who have made that decision, who have, have come to that place in their life where they realize, I need God. And I'm committing my life to the Lord. And it's only possible for the, through the work of the Lord Jesus. And if you've not done that or you don't understand that, come and talk to me afterwards. I'll be up at the front here for a little bit. Maybe some other elders will be here too. But let's deal with that first. You know, this idea to try and do good or be better or go out on some quest because, hey, this is great, without the Lord's work in your life happening first, is, uh, it's in vain. So that's important. But back to our passage here. Putting on the armor of God, Uh, one of the armor, the first armor was truth. And my question to you is, do you know it? Do you know the truth? Are you in God's word? Is your Bible worn and tattered? Or perhaps if you're using a phone or something like that, maybe the screen is scratched and full of fingerprints. I don't know. But do you know what the Bible teaches, what the Bible says? Are you able to, to answer and train when we get to that later? And if you're not in the Word, that's, that's a big challenge. You've got you've to be prepared to do this work. And knowing the truth is important. Righteousness, are we living it? Are we taking what we know and applying it in our lives? Again, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Are we ready to share? Are you telling it? Are you teaching it? Are you sharing it? Are you looking and taking opportunities at work or wherever the Lord has you To share the hope that you have because of this relationship you have with the Lord. Faith in God's promises. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? Do we live our lives and base our decisions on the fact that we believe what God's word says and teaches? Salvation in the word of God. And again, I mentioned this already, but have we accepted Jesus as Savior? Without that, we can't go any further. We need to start there. And the Bible is our guide to all of the above. Prayer. Are we men of prayer? Are we communicating with our commander? You put on the armor, but then you've got to know where you're going and what you're doing. And you can't do that without communication, knowing what's happening. And so we need to be men of prayer. To be sure this will be a battle, and as we accept this calling and shoulder the responsibility it's a it's a big task but that's what we're being called to do our next passage is joshua one eight and nine keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you will be a, you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. When my first daughter, Victoria, was born, um, it was a bit of a a, a rough go for us. Um, And uh, we just had a bunch of things all happen. Nothing major, but there was a bunch of little things that all kind of happened. And um, we... I had taken sick in the, in the hospital, so while Beth was courageously going through what she was going through, I checked myself into emergency, and they gave me some, some stuff or whatever, and then I came back up, and I was doing a little better. Um, we had had our our daughter, Victoria, which was great, uh, and after a day or so, we headed home. Uh, we got home, and both of us, well, I still was not feeling 100%. Beth got really sick. And, you know, we we just were not used to being helpless. That just wasn't our background. And the Lord really taught us something that day, because we got home, uh, Beth was not doing well, my wife, and uh, basically handed this little baby to me and said, if, if this baby's near me, I am going to throw up. Like, she was just so ill. And so I'm <laughs> trying to do something with this baby which was which was okay for a little while but after a while baby gets hungry and i don't i don't have the required um sustenance for, for victoria and and you know we were we're gonna breastfeed right so this is great and so we we had no formula in the house and and this is getting on in the evening and so you know that's like I can't. I can't do this. Uh, I, I'm. I can't do this. Um, and you know, all of a sudden, I'm on the phone and I start calling people. Well, I mean, this is back 20 years ago. Uh, stores aren't open after you know seven o'clock, and uh, or six o'clock. And and we were really helpless. Um, and man, was I was I afraid? Uh, in the end, we had some people come to our rescue. In fact, uh, I think it was Jeff Babineau. We eventually threw the grapevine, got a hold of Jeff. He went to uh, the uh, the IGA in uh, Minden, and actually, because he has keys to get in, opened it, got some formula, got it to us. And uh, I was so happy to hear the, you know, the, the, the car on the driveway come in and bring some formula and so on. Anyways, we got through that, but the week after that, it really hit me that I, I can't I can't be a father. I'm not ready. I don't know what I'm doing. You know I was you know, and uh, there was a week of time that was very discouraging, and I was very afraid because it was just like wow this is this is too difficult, and so this is a very powerful verse, uh, and I spent a lot of time singing or saying scripture during that time to try and work my, my way through this discouraging time uh, where we had been so taken off guard by not being as ready as we maybe could have been. And this is a major quest we're on. This is not this fatherhood, this this being a man that God's called us to be is is no light task. But yet as we meditate on scripture, as we look to the Lord as our hope and as our help, we are called to not be afraid, to not be discouraged, and to remember that the Lord is with us wherever we go. And boy, did I need to take hold of that promise at that time, and times since then as well. Genesis eighteen nineteen. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. And so this was written about Abraham, and I believe like Abraham, we are chosen as men and women as well, as mothers, to direct our children and our household to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Do we represent the way of the Lord in our lives? Does our household represent the way of the Lord? Some things to consider and to contemplate. What does that even mean? And what should that look like in our lives and in our homes? So step one to being a biblical father man is uh, modeling this, getting, getting our faith and our journey with the Lord sorted out, committed, understood, and moving forward. The second thing uh, I want to talk about, as I mentioned already, is loving our wives. So if we're going to be great fathers, if we're going to be great men, maybe you don't have a wife, but we need to love others or people, but loving our wives in Ephesians five twenty-five to 33, and we went through the book of Ephesians earlier, but I'll just read this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her Holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in this same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself after all no one ever hated their own body but they feed it and care for their body just as christ does the church for we are members of this body for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one in flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about the Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must uh, must respect her husband. Don't think that you can be a good father without being a good husband. A good and loving person is a good and loving person to all. We cannot compartmentalize our lives and be good and loving to some, say our children, but not good and loving to others, our wives or otherwise. This verse calls for us men to give up ourselves for our wives. Her interests should be above our own, loving her as much as we would our own body and our own interests. Sacrificing for her means giving up our rights, giving up our time, interests, and caring and doing the things that she enjoys and needs. We should be sharing in the Word of God and praying together. And all of this is for the purpose of helping her to be holy, redeemed and restored to God. That is a high calling for which we will be accountable. Just a note here. For those of us that perhaps are apart from the mother of our children, and there are separations and divorces and so on, I believe that we still need to love the mother of our children, and we need to do that in front of our children. Now that's going to look different in that case, but we need to respect, we need to love, honor, speak carefully and kindly about the mother of our children regardless of what relationship we are in with them. And that's important. That's, that's what we're called to do. In order to be a good father and according to Scripture. So really, getting our spiritual lives sorted out and committed and moving forward, loving our, our wives or the mother of our children... Is step two and very important. And the third thing I want to just mention this morning is training our children. In Deuteronomy 6, 6-9, to it says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on the gates. First thing in this particular piece of scripture that I think is important is this idea that there is only one God. And there should only be one God in your life, in your home. And hopefully that's what we're communicating and we're not actually confusing our children in that way and what and who our God is and what's most important to us. So there is only one God. And have we decided, have we committed, and are we living a life that displays that each and every day? And hopefully our children will know and understand and not be confused uh, in the way that we live our life and the things that we teach. The starting point is mentioned in these verses as well, and we've talked about this in the first point, but is that it begins with us as parents or fathers. These words shall be in our hearts. We must represent what we train, what we teach. We are in a constant state of training and teaching, as the verse outlines, about who the Lord is and how we are to live faith and life out for him. This is happening all the time. And one of my challenges to you today, and we could spend all kinds of time talking about training children, and and my wife and I have run some courses here over the years, so there's a lot here. But in general terms, just to, to mention a few things. But it's important that we are training our children and that we're not doing that in times of conflict. And obviously in those moments where something happens or something's said or something's done and we need to bring some correction, that that will and does happen. But we need to be proactive and taking time and putting energy into non-conflict training. So not waiting until something goes sideways to bring about a truth or a principle to our children, but to take the time to teach and come alongside and train them when we aren't in conflict. Or there hasn't been some some issue happen. And so that's very important. This calling to train our children and this responsibility falls to us, dads and moms. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not our government's responsibility. It's your responsibility. If bringing your kids to church is your plan for how they're going to grow and learn about the Lord and be trained and know and no one understand his word, you're on the wrong track. That needs to begin with you. And here at the church, we'll come alongside and support that. But you need to be doing it in your home. If you need ideas about that or how you might do that, the church can provide and certainly happy to speak with you about ideas for how that can happen. But it's our responsibility, as the verse indicates, and it's something we are always doing. Always doing. In Ephesians 6.4, as we continue to talk about training, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, just to spend a minute here, do not exasperate your children. What does that mean? Uh, and instead, we're to bring them up in the training of the Lord. A couple of thoughts on this. You have power and must not abuse that power. And some of the ways that we can abuse that power are being unreasonable or impatient. We need to separate children who believe, behave childishly from children who believe, behave foolishly. And we can, I can talk to you more about that. We need to, we need to not be inconsistent. No training is almost better Than inconsistent training. That's how significant that impact is on children when we're inconsistent. It would almost be better if you said nothing and did no training because it brings about uh, just a really difficult uh, response for them or on their part. Being legalistic, where we don't consider the context of what's happening, we're unbalanced. Perhaps our interaction is predominantly with our children in conflict, and I mentioned that already, that we need to train in non-conflict situations. Insensitive, we need to perhaps uh, think about our caring and nurturing side of us and take care and make sure we're connecting personally with our children and being intimate with them. We need to consider what our purpose is when we instruct them, and that is to lead them into a life that desires to be in relationship with God and to pursue righteousness. Do we model this? Is this our curriculum? Is this our goal? Do you know Scripture? We talked about this already. In order to teach its principles, what it says about the various situations that we encounter each and every day in our lives and as a family. You can't teach something you do not know. And as as a note there, regardless of your background or upbringing with your father, um, it's your responsibility to get that sorted out. And some of you will have been blessed to have had a godly modeling father in your home that you can look to and go, okay, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. And some of us didn't. But that doesn't matter. It's our responsibility to make sure that we know what we're to teach and how we're to train and to do that work. You can't teach something you don't know. And finally in this section, we're going to read First Thessalonians 2.12. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. We read this verse earlier. Who calls you into His kingdom and glory? And so I just wanted to emphasize here that as as fathers, as dads, we're to be encouraging and comforting as we train. And sometimes that's difficult. We have high standards. We want things a certain way. Uh, perhaps we don't express care or we don't express uh, being encouraging and comforting as our children are learning or struggling to learn. And so there's that softer side, men, that we need to often think about and bring to bear as we do this training, and that's important. And this may be an area of work for some of you. Um, A comment here uh, as we kind of wrap up, and that is this, that it's never too late. We serve a God of second chances. We serve a God that is always standing, waiting, ready to restore relationships and to restore people. And we are the people that need that restoration. And perhaps some of you will look back in reflection and say, Boy, I, I haven't been a phenomenal father. Maybe I haven't been a great man of God and faith, of loving others, loving my wife, or training my children. And I just want to encourage you this morning, it's never too late. We serve a God of grace, a God of forgiveness, and as I said, a God of restoration. And even today... Looking behind for the purpose of looking forward, we can ask for forgiveness, we can be restored, and we can move forward in a new direction. And, and that's encouraging for, for all of us in many ways because we all fall short. And so keep that in mind. Do not give up. Do not write it off as, oh, I can't do this, this is impossible uh, based on my history. Those are lies. And God can do a work in your life and can change and you can move forward. Will that be difficult? Yes. Will that require some conversations with your spouse or your children, perhaps? Yes. Even your grown children. But it's never too late. And it's never too late to do what's right. And it's never too late to do what God's calling us to do. And so do the work. Heed and accept the commitment. Shoulder that responsibility and move forward in a new a new way, if that's applying to you, it's never too late. Well, I want to I want to pray for for us men and, and dads, and uh, I want to go back to the verse that we started with, which uh, was in Joshua twenty four fourteen to fifteen. Now, fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors who you worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, the gods of the Amorites, or those in the land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When I was a young man, before I was married, I can remember obviously reading this verse and and trying to understand this for my own life. And, you know, as a young uh, teenager made a commitment to the Lord, and I can remember I had accepted Christ when I was a young person. I had grown up in a Christian home and in the church, and so when I was uh, a young person I accepted Christ. But it wasn't, you know, and through that time that was great, but I can remember very vividly as a teenager getting to a point in my life where I said, you know what, I'm either all in or I'm all out you know and and this idea of faith and what this is it's got to be mine or it's not it's not going to be my parents it's not going to be you know my friends it's not going to be the situation i'm in this, this has got to be my my commitment and i i vividly remember that because you know growing up in a christian home like a lot of you maybe have you know you go along and so on and so forth but at some point your faith has to be your own. And for those young people, teenagers, perhaps in, in the uh, church this morning, this is, a, this is an important thing. It's great that you're here, and it's great that you're a part of the church and a part of a Christian family. At some point, you need to make a decision of commitment. And this is an amazing piece of Scripture, and I love this, because it, when I was a young teenager, I made that decision that is for me, and if the Lord blesses me or gives me a home or a household or whatever, my house, we will serve the Lord. And that was it. That was a commitment. And in this morning, that's my challenge to all of us. And I will get you to stand in a minute, but not for the purpose of making the commitment, because I don't want you to make the commitment lightly, and I don't want you to stand up and then two weeks from now go, Oh, well, I blew it already. But if you would like for me to pray for you to consider and to try and live out this commitment as men, as dads, I want you to stand. If you're with me in in moving forward to live a life where me and my household will serve the Lord, I want to pray for you. And if you want me to pray for you for that desire, then stand with me if you will, and I'll pray for you. And I want to do that, so let's pray. Our great God standing with me in this church are a whole bunch of men. And Father, first of all, I confess, we confess that we have fallen short in this role of men as dads. And we ask for your forgiveness and your restoration. But Father, we are standing here because we do desire to live our lives and to serve you. And, Father, we pray that you would help us to do that, that you would give us that desire, that you would come alongside us and work through us and in us, Father, to accept this call and to shoulder this responsibility for ourselves, for our wives, for our children, for our community. And so, Father, I pray for boldness. I pray for strength. I pray for courage, and Father, that that we would move forward, and we would live the lives that You've called us to. We would love those around us as You've asked us to, and we would train up this next generation to come to know You and to serve You with their whole lives for their entire lives. And so, Father, that is our quest. That is our request. And Father, we commit that to you this morning and each one standing here with me. In Jesus' name, amen.